From the wheat fields of the Thumb to the cherry trees on the Third Coast, Michigan grows more than 300 different foods and products that we all enjoy every day. We're on a mission to find every local restaurant, manufacturer, and food company sourcing their ingredients right here in the mitten. And in the process, bridge the gap between the farm and your fork. We want to introduce you to all things Michigan agriculture and food. This is Michigan AF. Thanksgiving is right around the corner and we couldn't think of a better time than now to talk turkey. Michigan farmers raise approximately 5.3 million turkeys every year and the average person consumes about 17 pounds of turkey every year. Today I'm joined by Jennifer Dominguez and Dr. Andrea Garman from the Michigan State University Meat Laboratory to answer your questions about cooking the perfect Thanksgiving turkey. Thanks to both of you for joining us on the Michigan AF podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks Noelle. That's great. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about the MSU Meat Lab and what each of you do there? So I am the Meat Laboratory Manager. We are part of the Animal Science and Food Science departments. So we're kind of dual departmental here. We are responsible for bringing in the large animals for our different classes that require either animal management or different meats for different classes. We are a federally inspected establishment. So we have USDA inspectors that work with us every day. And with us, I mean both myself, the assistant manager and the students that we have working here in the building. So our students get a great opportunity to work with um, professionals that if they go into the meat industry, they will definitely be working with them in the future also. And I'm, I'm a relative newbie. I just started last year in the middle of COVID. Um, this is Andrea, in case you can't tell, I guess you can't see us. So um, I am the meat science academic specialist. So my primary role is teaching. And I have a, I do have a split appointment between the animal science and food science department. So I teach an intro level, mostly meat science, but general animal edible products. So red meat, poultry, eggs, fish, all that fun stuff. And then I also teach a further processing um, meat products class. So we get to make things like hot dogs and bacon and all the, all the good fun stuff in that class. Um, so that's my primary role is teaching between the two departments and then also outreach. So working and talking with consumers, with meat processors in the state, around the country. Um, that's um, my, my, my two primary roles that I have here at Michigan State. That's great. I would love to know more about how all of those things are made, especially bacon, because I love bacon. But we will save that for another day and another time. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about some turkey tips for cooking the perfect turkey for your Thanksgiving meal. We took to social media to find out what questions consumers had about how to cook the perfect Thanksgiving bird, and we received some pretty great questions. So are you ready to get started? Let's do it. You bet. All right. So the first question, how do you determine how large of a turkey you should purchase for your family's Thanksgiving? Depends on how many people you're cooking for. 
Um, I think a good general rule of thumb would be for every person, um, factor about one pound of frozen or fresh turkey. Whenever you go through the cooking process, you are going to lose some weight. You're going to cook out some moisture in that process. So if you factor about one pound per person in terms of your uncooked raw weight, you should have enough. Agreed. <laughs> Great. And then what criteria do you use when you select a turkey to purchase? My turn? Your turn. Well, there's really, I, my opinion, there's only two criteria to, to really factor in, and that's whether you want a fresh turkey or a frozen turkey. If you're looking for a fresh turkey, you're probably going to have to go to a local producer and pick the turkey up at a farm location or something like that. If you want a frozen turkey, after that, after you make that decision as to whether you want frozen or fresh, then you look at the weights of the birds. So again, if you've got a lot of people, you're probably going to need a bigger bird. If you're only feeding four or five people, you can probably go with a smaller bird. And usually, it, is it easier to find smaller turkeys if you buy them fresh, or is it going to be pretty comparable? I would think it'd be much easier to find the smaller turkeys in a grocery store that have been frozen. That makes sense. That makes sense. So once you have bought your turkey, whether it's fresh or frozen, and you bring it home, should you wash your turkey or not prior to cooking it? And if so, uh, how do you wash it? Strongly advise against washing the turkey. So if they have any type of surface bacteria on the bird, if you run running water over it, you're just going to spread it all over the place. So instead of being in one centralized location, you've now got potential contamination over the entire bird and possibly inside the bird as well. Um, so strongly advise against washing the turkeys once you get them home. Great. No washing of the turkey. You heard it here first, listeners. <laughs> How do you ensure that your turkey then is thoroughly cooked without making sure that you've dried it out? Well, um, I think food safety would be your number one concern. And so they recommend um, USDA FSIS, which is the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture Food Safety Branch, recommends cooking poultry to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so I think that would be your first tip. Um, don't just look at it and say you think that it's 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Use a thermometer. Sometimes they come with those cool little pop-up thermometers that, that pop up whenever they're supposed to be at the appropriate temperature. Still recommend checking with your own thermometer. Um, if you've got one of those fancy digital ones, don't leave that in the bird, you will melt it. <laughs> so make sure you have one that is oven appropriate if you are going to leave it in the bird or just do some temp checks. Um, one way, since it is a higher degree of doneness than say a beef roast or something like that, um, you might want to look for something that has been um, enhanced. Maybe it's got some added juices into it. That way, when you do cook it to the higher temperatures, you're not going to lose that juiciness um, throughout the cooking process. And then you still make sure that you're not going to get sick from eating the turkey as well. Great. And so you, you kind of talked about it, but what are the consequences if you don't properly cook your turkey if it's not to that 165 degrees? You are running a risk of foodborne illness. Um, salmonella would be a big one that we are concerned with, with poultry. Um, that's in chicken and turkey and eggs. Um, so there are certain pathogenic bacteria 
um, that we want to make sure that we kill during that cooking process. And by getting up to that 165 degrees Fahrenheit, um, we are making sure that we kill those bacteria on the surface and potentially internally um, in those poultry products. Great. So we've talked a little bit about the whether to wash the turkey or not. Another uh, kind of I don't say, want to say controversial, but I mean, as far as Thanksgiving goes, controversial topic, aside from the Detroit Lions, would be uh, <laughs> whether or not should you stuff your turkey? And if you do, what's the best way to stuff your turkey? I think that one? I, I can try. So you've got, again, you've got two options, stuffing or no stuffing, right? If you decide to stuff your turkey... It may take a little bit longer for that internal temperature on that stuffing to actually come up to a temperature where it's going to kill any of the potential pathogens that are in there. So if you use eggs in your stuffing, there's always going to be a potential for salmonella in there. And you just want to make sure that the internal temperature, which is now going to be the center of your stuffing, comes up to that 165 degrees also. Now, if you don't stuff it, you may then be able to put like maybe some vegetables or something on the inside that can help with seasoning, but you probably want to tie the legs together, right? To make, to, to make that turkey a nice solid mass again. Um, and that will help keep it evenly cooking the whole time. And that's if you opt to put your stuffing into a pan and not stuff the bird. So you just want to make sure that if you do in, intend to stuff the bird, that you make sure that it gets up to a temperature that's going to kill any potential foodborne pathogens. Great, great. And so what are some safety tips if you are frying a turkey? <laughs> Don't do it in your kitchen. <laughs> good, that's your a garage. good number one tip. <laughs> Outside <laughs> is best. <laughs> yes, definitely outdoors. Um, I know some people will uh, do like a practice run. They'll take their turkey fryer, they'll put their turkey in it, and they'll fill it up with water like a day ahead so that they can mark on their turkey fryer just how much oil they need to add to it. That will give them a very, very good estimate of how much oil to put in there. So therefore, when they dunk the turkey down into it, because that turkey is going to displace oil, it doesn't come up and over the sides and cause a fire. That's the big thing. You want to make sure that you know how much oil to put into that vessel before you put your turkey in. Smart. Thank you. I want to add something here, but yeah. um, one of the things is make sure it's thawed. Um, if you have additional moisture on that turkey, um, so you might also want to like dab it dry. Um, if you've got additional moisture, you're going to have a potential issue with your with your oil whenever you dip your turkey down in there. It could bubble up. Um, it could cause a little mini explosion with that moisture. Whenever the, the oil and water don't like each other. So whenever those two come in contact, it could cause some issues. So make sure it is completely thawed if you're going to be frying it. Same thing if you're going to be roasting it or cooking it in an oven. Um, but in that fryer, you might also want to dab off the external um, moisture before you submerge it down into your, to your oil. You bring up a great point with thawing your turkey. About how long do, does it take to really thaw a turkey? Ooh, that's... So I would guess a 12 to 15 pound turkey is going to take you at least two days in your refrigerator, if not three. And you want to keep him in a refrigerator. You probably don't want to thaw it on the counter or in your sink or 
another potential, like this is a good time of year. You could thaw it in your garage if you don't have room in your refrigerator. Just make sure that that garage temperature stays between 40 and 45 or 40 and 48. If it gets down too far below 40, it's going to take a long time for that bird to thaw. If it gets too much above 48, then you're entering into pathogen potentials. Gotcha. So you're not going to be able to take it out that morning and thaw it. So (laughs) I didn't think so. (laughs) That one's got to be planned ahead. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So let's talk about brining. What is the fuss all about? And and what does brining do to the meat? Well, brining is going to help with with the eating quality, the palatability. Um, So there's normally three things that we talk about when we talk about palatability of cooked meat, whether we're talking about turkey or steak or pork chops, and that's tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. So whenever we brine meat, um, we're going to incorporate basically a marinade. Um, It could have some spices and seasonings. It's normally a liquid base. Um, We might add salt in there. We could add some other things like phosphate in there. Um, whenever you add something that is alkaline, that's going to alter your pH and then help with your water holding capacity, which means you're going to have a juicier product. So ultimately what it's going to do is make it more flavorful and juicier. Um, and so you should have a better eating experience. Um, you just want to be careful that you don't necessarily add too much. Um, you could end up with some really salty turkey if you add too much. So make sure you're you're checking your math whenever you're doing that and you don't add too much depending on how much raw meat you have there that you're trying to brine and let those ingredients soak up into that meat. Great, great. So once you have finished eating and it's time to store your leftovers, what is the best way to debone your bird and why is it important to do that? That's a good question. I Unless you are planning on using the the bones in like a, maybe you're making a soup or something like that. Um, I don't know that it's incredibly important to take all of the bones out of it right away. Okay. That will help to maintain a lot of the, the moisture in the meat if you're not taking the bones off out of it right away. But basically, if you just take that turkey and you wrap it up nicely with saran wrap, it'll help to hold that moisture in while it's while it's in your refrigerator and that that's your main goal is you just want to try to keep it as moist as possible yeah you definitely don't want your leftovers to get dry that's going to kind of defeat the purpose of having your leftovers so you're saying the best way to store those leftovers is just to wrap it in saran wrap and just keep it as the bird Mm -hmm. good advice good to know i will i will for one let my mother know that she doesn't have to spend 45 minutes taking all of the meat off of the bird after we're done she's making an awesome turkey soup tomorrow (laughs) no she usually just spends a lot of time (laughs) taking it all off of of the bird so that's good to know and then what's the best way really to reheat those leftovers once you want to have them later Something with moisture, like if you add a little bit of turkey broth or chicken broth back to it as you're cooking, um, steaming it is always an option. You can take that package of saran wrapped turkey and put it on top of your steamer and steam it. and It'll come back to a very nice consistency after about 30 or 40 minutes in the steamer. Um, 
again, if you're putting it into a casserole or something like that, you would just follow the, the directions for the recipe using the cold cooked turkey and it'll come right back to consistency again. Great, great. And then can you freeze your turkey leftovers? And if so, how long? You can, um, depending on how you package it, depends on how long you can store it. Um, if you've got a food saver, um, that would be the best way to package it. So you put it in that food saver and you remove all of the air from the package. Basically, the least amount of air you can keep in that package with the meat, the longer it's going to keep in the freezer. Um, I don't want to say indefinitely, but depending on how you have packaged it will we'll determine how long you can keep it in the freezer, probably for a couple of months at least. Um, you might start to run in some freezer burn and you'll have some deterioration in the quality whenever you bring it back out and thaw it and heat it up. So it really just depends on, on how you package it and, and that determines how long you can keep it in the freezer, but perfectly safe to do so. Perfect. So we've walked through kind of the purchasing of, of the turkey all the way through to storing and freezing your leftovers. Are there any final secrets or little tips that you want to provide that we didn't cover? I think one important thing is to make sure that you've got a functioning thermometer. That's the most important part. In order to make sure that your thermometer is reading accurately, it's very simple to do that at home. Just take a glass of uh, ice water with lots of ice in it. Stick that thermometer down in there and stir it. And if that thermometer reads 32 degrees, then your thermometer is reading accurately. We call that an ice bath verification, how to make sure your thermometer is working. And ice water is always 32 degrees. So you can always make sure that your thermometer is correct if it's reading 32. That's great. Those are really great tips. And that is, that's good to know just in general. I mean, for any thing that you're cooking that you need a thermometer. Well, thank you both for being on the Michigan AF podcast. Uh, we love talking to experts really to learn the tricks of the trade. So if you're curious and you want to learn more about the MSU Meat Lab, you can visit their website at canr.msu.edu slash meat lab. And as always, you can learn more about Michigan agriculture and our farmers at our website, michigangrown.org. From all of us at Michigan Grown, Michigan Great, we wish your family a safe and healthy Thanksgiving. Join us next time on Michigan AF. The Michigan AF podcast is a project of the Michigan Ag Council and the Michigan Grown, Michigan Great campaign. We are a coalition of farmers and agribusinesses committed to providing the best possible foods and products for our neighbors, communities, and the state we all love. To hear more podcasts and to learn about Michigan's agriculture diverse sector, visit michigangrown.org. Mm -hmm.